This is a Rooster Teeth production. Do you believe in reincarnation? A man from England was fascinated by this topic, and after his daughters passed away, he was confident in the idea that they would return. Years later, he had twins that bore striking similarities to his previously deceased children. Today, we explore death and reincarnation as we discuss the curious case of the Pollock twins. This is Red Web. Welcome back, Task Force, to Red Web, a show where we cover conspiracies, mysteries, true crime, supernatural, and everything in between. I'm your host, Trevor Collins, and with me, with his gut instinct, reacting to this for the first time as he hears this, Alfredo Diaz. Hello, hello. Um, I'll let you in on a little secret. Bring me in. Every once in a while, I think about reincarnation and karma and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And actually, now that I really think about it, I think it's kind of a fear. That like that if, you're like, gonna come back. Well, it's just like if I say like I'm just because I've seen Moon Knight recently. Say the yeah, yeah, yeah. the the scales are tipped more towards Ooh, yeah bad than good, mm-hmm. and I get reincarnated as I don't know just some bush in the desert to forever oh. be just like torched in the sun. I don't know, man. They're evolved for that sun and desert life. Maybe uh, this is true. Maybe bush life is pretty good. They have. But you ever think of that? Or just you know, isolation like that or right just be reincarnated as I don't know, a chipmunk and You see Rescue Rangers though? I heard it was amazing. I mean, this is a movie podcast. Nothing wrong about, about being a chipmunk it seems. <laughs> they're, they're hitting the convention scene. Oh, yeah. What a great idea for a movie. It was a great idea. I don't know how they got Ugly Sonic, but... They need was, that with, like, cryptids. Um, <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. All uh, right, Christian, write that down. Yeah, go ahead. Go, go, <laughs> Christian, go ahead. our producer behind the scenes. Note it. Um, never mind. I'm, I'm, my head's spinning with that. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. never mind. I'm just going <clears> to... <throat> so let's go back that. to the Pollocks, though, because this is a case that I had completely forgotten about, and it's so strange. I love... This is that kind of case that I just get really eager to discuss. Yep. Gets me really excited because... Much like you, I've explored the ideas. I mean, these are a lot of uh, religious ideas, but mm-hmm. um, I've been fascinated by not only religious ideas and uh, real-world connotations, but also just supernatural takes on these and examples of these in the real world. Because, of course, we know very little uh, scientifically about what happens when we close our eyes for the last time. So this is a very fascinating case. I'd be very curious to hear your reactions along the way. That's another... We're just going through, you're just labeling fears that I have. I think probably one of my biggest fears is, you know how you just like, you go to sleep and you wake up and there was just like that nothingness? I had a really awesome dream in there though. Did I you? was living another life. I have, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt your theory or right, your, your right, kind right. of what is, what mm-hmm. ifs with another what if, like mm-hmm. there's a whole thing around if you fall asleep, when you fall asleep, okay. you're actually waking up in another life or in another world somewhere, universe whatever damn that's cool and that could be the real you and this right now you're awake you task force listening to this episode could be your dream and that you actually have two different walks of life i've also we heard an episode where we just discuss things like okay that. we should because there's because a whole thing that's where there's like there's a ton of that yeah and that's pretty killer as a kid somebody told me and i don't know if this was just a really good storyteller because <laughs> i was a, i was a very curious child that's why we have a podcast like this now but as a kid somebody told me a story about when you go to sleep there are dreamwalkers that there are factions within your dreams that are actually waging a war, as it were. What? Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. Tell no, me about yours. Your, what's your fear? Christian, go ahead and note that down. We need an episode of a bunch of stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dream um, I love it. There's also the idea of oh, uh, when you go to sleep, that there you when you when you see somebody in a dream, like say I go to sleep and you and I, Alfredo, we dream about each other. Oh no, a, is that bad? There's a theory that it's because we're sharing a subconscious. Whoa! You guys are the same. Also, the task force, I know you can't see what's going on right here. I've got a Wizard of Oz-esque curtain in front of uh, Christian right now, and so he's become the man behind the curtain. (laughs) You do, but I don't. This is so weird. I'm used to looking him dead in the eyes. But my my, thing is like, you know, you you go to sleep, you wake up, and there's just kind of like that nothingness. Yeah. A little fear of mine is just like, what if that's when you die? It's just complete nothingness, no thought or consciousness of existence. Or well, why be afraid then? You wouldn't experience it. Right. No, for sure. 
Uh, I mean, it, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, I wouldn't hurt or anything like that, but it's more so just like, man, spend my whole entire right. life with people. Like, it backwards makes things feel quite meaningless. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, they just eternal nothingness. Yeah, well, being present-minded uh -huh. is, uh, is important <laughs> under those circumstances. But let's talk about the Pollock family and kind of their experience. So we'll go through the family history to give you just some context for these young kids and then the stories that kind of unfolded later on. So we have Joanna Pollock, who was born in 1946 to parents John and Florence Pollock, and they were all residents of England. She was their third child, but their first daughter. Then in 1951, just about five or so years later, came along their second daughter, Jacqueline, with a distinct birthmark on the left side of her waist. I'm going to give you some details along the way. They're not going to make a lot of sense just yet. But don't worry. Chekhov's guns are going to fire. My, my mind is fractured right now. because mm -hmm. Joanna. Joanna. John. John. Jacqueline. Jacqueline. My two siblings and my spouse. Buckle up. It's only going to get worse. <laughs> just start labeling. Like, just start saying the names of people in my life. <laughs> well, they're the names of people in your life, but they're all like j j j names. Like, they start with the J sound. Holy hell. So it's, it's going to get a little bit more confusing with some more J sounds okay. here in a bit. But you'll have to tell me if any more of these names <laughs> sound ring a bell, because that's kind of creepy. So Jacqueline, who was born five years later, had a distinct birthmark on the side of her waist. John and Florence ran a grocery store and dairy delivery business, which kept them both very busy. Therefore, the girls spent a lot of time with their grandmother growing up. When Jacqueline was three, she fell on a bucket and got a cut above her right eye that healed into a scar. This will come back later. As Jacqueline learned how to speak, her parents often heard her say things like, quote, I will never be a lady. So you can take that in a lot of different ways, but in the context of this story, it does start to lay a bit of an eerie foundation. Not saying I'll never be a lady, uh, you know, in the traditional sense, um, manners and whatnot, more in the sense of I will never be a grown lady or a grown woman. Oh, yes. I, I like initially my thought was I'll never be a lady because of the scar. Right. Gotcha. Right. In, in the sense of like I'll never be right proper lady, et cetera, et cetera. I have this scar, which right. doesn't matter. Um, but you know, it's a kid, so it, maybe it, they're exactly. just saying these things. Yeah. Um, who knows how they're brought up, et cetera. But that's weird. Yeah. The parents were definitely very alarmed to hear these kind of statements coming out of their three-year-old child, but unfortunately, this would also be quite dark foreshadowing for what would be to come. So on May 5th, 1957, Joanna and Jacqueline were walking to church in Hexham, England with their friend Anthony. At the time, Joanna was 11, Jacqueline was six, and Anthony was nine. Sadly, the children never reached the church as they were struck down by a driver who had taken a dangerous amount of aspirin and phenobarbitone. Hope I said that correctly. It was found out that, unfortunately, I don't want to go too much in the morbidity here, but the driver actually did this intentionally because their children were removed from her care. And so out of this kind of outward lashings out, she took out her aggression in the worst way possible. And that's where these children, unfortunately, met their quite early end. Damn. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't... Every once in a while, you're just walking and you go, man, that car could just decide to swerve into me. Uh, that's just a passing thought I've... That just those randomly are the fears have. that I have. Those are the those fears are the that I go, <laughs> brain, why? <laughs> right. Oh, man. But, Some like, dark this woman did that. Mm-hmm. That is... That's just not fair in so many ways. Oh, no. Yeah, unfortunately, Joanna and Jacqueline both died at the scene. Anthony died on his way to the hospital. So the family, of course, as we kind of indicated earlier at the top of the show, the family held strong religious beliefs that were practiced by both John and Florence from their childhoods on. To be specific, John was raised Catholic and Florence was raised Protestant. When John was nine, he actually read a book about reincarnation, which stoked the curiosity in the subject. And it left this thought lingering in his mind for years about whether it was actually possible. I, I sympathize completely with this because as a kid, these are all curiosities I feel like we just naturally have. Yeah. And the open-endedness, the attempt of solving it with answers, I think all stick in our minds because we all, I think, naturally want to seek right. answers. I, I right? think 
there's not one person, especially like the task force, that hasn't just sat there and thought about it mm -hmm. on like a couple layers, right? Yeah. Of like, oh, what if reincarnation was a thing? What would that be? What would that look like? What would I want to be if I was reincarnated? Oh yeah. That's see, that's the terrifying thing too, is like to your point, I remember thinking back and being like, do I want to end up becoming an animal? Which could be in the grand scheme of things considered a lower life form or do i want to be another person and deal with all the stresses of life <laughs> jobs careers make me the animal. money make me the animal uh responsibility i gotta go right. through school again oh so <laughs> chipmunk sounds pretty good <laughs> right i get i get a couple nuts and that's my life <laughs> i mean that's starting to sound a little peeling so yeah um you know, in fact, just a little sidebar, because it is quite relevant to the, this discussion. I remember distinctly, I had so many questions as a kid where I was prying my parents for answers. And there was, and you kind of made me think of this early on was, I remember being in the car. I remember specifically what street it was and how close it was to our neighborhood. And I was asking, what do you see of, of my mom? I was like, what do you see when you pass on? Because you can't see nothingness because that is seeing something that is sensing something. So what is it, you know, as a kid, I was just asking this of one of my many questions, what is it to experience nothing? Literally no sense. And I, I think that the answer would be as soon as you sense something else, it would be a time skip. But right. very deep thoughts for a child to have. I, like, I was weird. Jackie and I are, my spouse, we're mm -hmm. planning to have kids with, you know, in a couple of years. And with what you just said, I want Damn, how would I even answer that? Like, I don't. Yeah, those are I'm the not, things that I challenge I'll, my parents on. Right. For sure. It's like, I guess, like, once I have kids and they're a couple years older, I got to yeah. start, like, you know what I mean? Start loading these, yeah. these thoughts up. Uh, but I was like, I mean, if, if my kid came up to me right now and asked me that, I'd be like, uh, <laughs> so, uh, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I think I was born with the scientific method in my brain, right. which is rough when, you know, you lack tangible evidence of this, that, or whatever. And parents are just like, ah, this is a, a kid. Let me just give an answer. And I'm right. like, and I'll hold them to it. I'll remember oh, that. No. <laughs> I'll remember that. But let's come back to John, the father in his childhood, because of course he read that book. He became very fascinated by topics such as the afterlife, previous lives, reincarnation. And he even prayed to God, per John himself, for proof of reincarnation. On the day of Joanna and Jacqueline's death, John actually had visions of them in heaven. Again, these are all recounted by the family. He also claimed that he could sense the girl's spirits in the upstairs room of the house, so he would often spend a lot of time in that room because it would feel comforting and he would want to be with them. John thought his prayers caused his daughters to be killed because he questioned God's will, which does not, in his beliefs, being a Catholic, include reincarnation. So he thought by seeking these answers, by praying for these things that God he might have, yes, possibly. exactly. Yeah, that's a slippery slope, man. You, you can make all kinds of excuses as to, as to why you should be blamed mm -hmm. or why you shouldn't be blamed. 100%. And that's, um, that's not a way to live. Also, maybe just because I've seen way too many horror movies, if like, Oh, I know where you're my, going. My, my kid passed away, and then all of a sudden, I just started hearing, like, I don't know, the baby monitor go off, mm -hmm. or their little rocking horse go back and forth. Selling the house. That's how it starts. Selling the house. But here, I'm imagine, though, you got... you got, probably going to latch on those. I, Come on, It's man, two no things, escape. though. This isn't fair. You, it's you believe human. it? It could be. You believe it. You lean into it. You speak to it. You give it power by believing That's in it. That's what I'm saying. It's a demon. That's what I'm you saying. You sell the house... What if it's your kid they're stuck in the bedroom with no furniture, no rocking chair? Come on. I'm sorry. I'm taking. I'm not taking that Okay. Chance. All right. That's, that that's the risk you take. Okay. Go goodbye, and That's baby. how you end up with a baby hands <laughs> in that's a true. church somewhere. <laughs> that's even true. Even handprints, little that's, passionate baby handprints. That's true. That's how you, I might be small, but I'm 150 years old. Right. <laughs> as, as we're driving away, just the baby handprint. Right uh -huh. on the, right <laughs> that's I'm, so... That's, I'm, I've never had the confliction between so adorable, so sad, and so creepy at the same yeah. time. Yeah, that's a hard decision, but I think I'd have to, oof. Yeah. I'm like 51%, like 49% like goodbye, baby. Whew. That, that would be a, an impossible decision to make. Yeah. That's why all these horror movies exist, because come right. on, how do you... Uh, how, you're right. 
So coming back to John for a second, you know, and this particular situation, he tried to comfort his wife with the idea that they would be back. But Florence strongly disapproved of the belief in reincarnation, once again, due to faith, being a Protestant. And she wanted to heal from the pain of losing her daughters and move on. So Florence, and, and that's kind of like, there's a gap in time here. I don't want to kind of conflate these two points. Mm -hmm. So that's where they kind of left it. And a few years passed. Florence eventually did get pregnant once more in 1958. And despite doctors telling them that they would only have one baby, John insisted that Florence would in fact have twins, twin girls, and they would be the reincarnates of both Joanna and Jacqueline. Fast forward to October 4th, 1958, where they had two twin girls who were born into their family, Jillian and Jennifer. Mm -mm. Something ain't right there. Something mm. ain't right there. Yeah? You taking it at face value? Or are you questioning maybe uh, the I, storytelling here? I mean, like, if, uh, putting myself in that situation, if something tragic like that were to happen mm -hmm. and Jackie was to be like, you know, believe in reincarnation, start talking about, like, we don't know the the sex of the children yet, but it's not just going to be one. It's going to be two, and they're going to be girls. Uh, no, man, I don't mm -hmm. know. Like, I just... That just like I don't like the way that especially lines when up, it, especially when it comes from the father. There's something about being right. a mom that I could be like, maybe there's something we don't understand, like that deeper connection. True, it's biological, and you're mm -hmm. connected. Yep. So maybe but the father calling it out like that. But the dad's like, no, that's twins. Because the 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 ratio and the number for twins gotta be low, and then like number of births that are right twins that are twins. But I'm then, sure it's quite low. Kristen, I'm do you sure want to look that up? Just curious. right. I'm sure it's quite yeah, low. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that like that percentage would be. So like being able to call that out, not quite sure. I mean, my my mom was a non-identical twin. Mm -hmm. And so like that's as far as my family tells me, skips generations. So there's a good chance that my sister would have twins. Um, but yeah, I think that number would be really low. To call it out is like, ooh. Yeah, I had the same thing with um, someone who I was once seeing a long time ago mm -hmm. where she had a pattern of twins in her family as well that also skipped generations, which oh. is wild. Yeah, that's so... And so I had to think about it. And I mean, I was just a young boy, right. essentially. But uh, I was like, man, would I be ready for twins? And there I was, 19 years old. Right. <laughs> thinking about that at all. I mean, just, <laughs> right. Just, I mean, it's a passing thought, right? I just wasn't ready for any of it. Yeah. Uh, but but, but yeah. Jack, she's like, I hope it's twins. She's like, I just want to, because we both want two kids. Yeah, and yeah. So it's like, just I just one and done kind of thing. One, one and done. Yeah. I'm like, Man, there, there would be no downtime for either of sure. us, but I'm down. It's definitely <laughs> tougher to have two babies right. at the same time, but there's also a lot of upside to exactly. socially and relationship-wise. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, while the twins were already a shock, as I've kind of outlined, things only get weirder because they started to begin noticing very, very specific yet odd similarities between these two twin daughters and their previous, and their previous older children. Uh. Yeah. And then Who just jumping twins. in on the, the twin rarity, it's estimated that one in 250 natural pregnancies will naturally result in twins. That's what this one site says. Quarter another of a one, percent? Something yeah. like that? Yeah, but then another one says it's about 3% of babies in the U.S. are born uh, as twins. Still quite low. Yeah, though it's still very low. low. Both different figures depending on where you look. Yeah, interesting. Uh, but yeah, so a lot of different but interesting similarities between these daughters. Now, before I move on, I want to clarify not only for you, Fredo, the task force, but also myself, there's a lot of J names here. Yes, there is. So we have the new twins who are Jillian and Jennifer, and then you have the uh, previous daughters away. who passed away. Yes, Joanna and Jacqueline. Now, to kind of jump the gun, but so you can kind of start to get a mental map of what's going on. Joanna is said to have been reincarnated as Jillian. And Jacqueline is said to have been reincarnated as Jennifer. You can kind of go off the name length to help you have that little yeah, yeah, no, that memory um, as we, so that way you avoid confusion moving forward. So with that said, let's talk about some of the similarities that really started to give John, the father, the idea that reincarnation was at play here. So Jennifer had a birthmark on her waist that matched very, very closely to the birthmark that Jacqueline had. She also had one above her eye that resembled the scar that Jacqueline incurred by falling onto the bucket that we discussed earlier. 
See, you said the birthmarks on like the hips, and I went, oh, that's mm -hmm. hard to ignore. And mm -hmm. then there's a second. Come on, man. What are the where chances the scar of a, was? What are oh. the chances of a second birthmark? And then on top of that, being where the scar was, like, yeah, the, the coincidences are too high there. This triggers a nostalgic memory for me. I remember being in third grade and discovering what birthmarks were, and. In kind of discussing that as a class, it was some free time. So we were all just discussing as a big old group of kids who had birthmarks and where. And the idea was floated by someone that those were actually scars from a previous life. That whatever, that that marked the wound that you had that created your death in a previous life. And so I started looking at some of the birthmarks. I had one down here and I was like, does that mean appendicitis? I had appendicitis later in my life. This life. That's crazy. It's creepy. Because when you initially said that, I went, oh, like, not every death is going to be because of, like, a, a wound or a scar. Sure, some right. is just it, aging, it, natural. Right. But then I was like, oh, yeah, like, the mark could mean eternal, too, like, and, like organs and everything like that. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a cool thought. I love thought. that thought. Man, that's a cool thought. Yeah. Do you have any birthmarks you're comfortable talking about? I was in my mind going, where's my birthmark? <laughs> <laughs> so I immediately started looking at mine and being like, how, how would that have killed me in my life? <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know where mine is. I'd task force. If you got a unique birthmark, I'd love to hear from you. If you have an interesting story that right. comes to mind with or yours. Birthmark and location. Yeah. 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 And I would just look at that on like, I don't know, you know, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you reach mm -hmm. out to us at red, red, red pod. pod. And, um, I'll be honest, I'll, I would look at that list and go, hmm, how would that have affected their previous uh, life? Yeah. Or maybe, you know, I got one right down here uh, near the appendix where that's supposed to be anyway. And uh, maybe I got blasted by a cannonball because I was a dope pirate. <laughs> your, your face is saying belief. Your, your face is saying, yeah, that definitely happened. Yeah, my face is like, believe in yeah, that. yes, it did. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> So coming back again to the reincarnation story, obviously the family, regardless of the reincarnation, is feeling that this location of Hexham, England, is not where they want to raise their daughters. They feel like there's just too much trauma in their minds, and so they decide to move when the daughters are only, and this is worth noting, only a few months old, and they relocated to Whitley Bay. Parents gave some alleged but very odd recounts of the girls' childhood behavior that only seems to continue the trend of the birthmarks. When the twins were around three years old, their parents gave them some of Joanna and Jacqueline's old toys. The girls quickly identified which toys had been gifts from Santa and latched onto separate toys without any argument. You know, that, that can be typical of kids, but it can also be the antithesis of typical, right. right? Where kids are just like, no, I want that one. No, mm -hmm. I want that one, right? But very quickly, they both figured out who was getting what out of that grouping of toys. Oddly enough, Jillian gravitated towards the toys that belonged to Joanna and Jennifer to Jacqueline's. So this continues the trend here. In fact, when their dad gave them some old dolls, the twins named them Mary and Susan. Well, these were the same names that had been given to these dolls by their older, previously, you know, now deceased daughters or so, sisters, rather. So in my mind, with the, the toys being divvied up and everything like that, mm -hmm. I mean, that's just... You're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Same names. They named them? They named the dolls the same things that their older sisters had named them. Bro, get a priest in there. Get a, get like, Not a bad idea. Like, what, 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 hold on. What are you, what are you, exercise your daughter from your daughter? I'm just saying, like, salt, start salting stuff. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what the proper thing is. Start salting things. Start going through the different crosses and little trinkets I, again comes back to that scene from I'm, the mummy I'm, right right <laughs> when he's shuffling through a bunch of uh, look man i'm symbols i'm dunking these kids in, in holy water like i just gotta i gotta know i, I gotta, love i love that you hit the pantheon of religion you, know, you hit at least three different just, rituals from three different sects of belief and i love see that. what sticks <laughs> yeah you know i, I mean you, these you, are uncharted waters here so yeah i mean look I said it before in the previously in this episode, and I'll say it again. Putting myself in that situation, I'll be honest, those are my kids. I'd be terrified. Mm -hmm. I'd be terrified. You're naming like these dolls 
um, your toys the same name as like your previous like yep. siblings? Pretty specific. I mean, what are the, like what are the odds, right? The common like, names. Ob- obviously, this is all just like stories and and, and a tale that's mm-hmm. been passed down. Who knows, you know, what really happened in that room and how it really played out, etc. But you know, diving into it and just trusting and believing in the story. No, no. Like mm-hmm. what? Like what are the chances? How do you even? Th- there's just no way. No way in hell. It's, and that's only just scratching the surface, too. That's, that's kind of messed up. <laughs> things, get, <laughs> no. things start to take an even more okay. strange turn. So those are just coincidences. Now things start to get a little darker. So Florence claims, this is the mom now, and the mom, as I mentioned, does not believe in reincarnation, is not interested in this idea. But Florence is the one claiming that the girls would talk about Joanna and Jacqueline's accident and say things like, quote, blood's coming out of your eyes. That's where the car hit you, end quote. In fact, it is said that they made some sort of game out of this where one of the sisters would lay down with their head in the lap of the other sister and they would say these things. Where they got these ideas, it's hard to say. That's like to the point where it's like, this feels like a movie, right? It does. Like, like this really is feels like a, like a conjuring case. Like, this is like, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's a conjuring case. The parents also claimed that they would overhear conversations between the girls about the incident, all right? They would say things like, quote, I don't want it to happen to me again. It was horrible. My hands were full of blood, as were my nose and mouth. I couldn't breathe, Jennifer told her sister. Don't remind me, Jillian replied. You looked like a monster. Something red came out of your head. So yeah, things start to get very eerie. And this is where I want to kind of tip my hand on some of the theories because this is where my pragmatic mind goes like there are brothers in this family there are the parents that had lived through this and so who's to say kids being a sponge didn't absorb some conversations that they overheard or, or are these stories kind of being exaggerated I don't know right and I mean I've noticed that just with like friends and their children that like siblings end up becoming sponges mm-hmm. they they absorb everything or just talking to like uh you know young uh, newer parents where they're just like i don't know i had a friend and i was just like oh yeah i said i smacked a fly and cursed at it and then that's then my kids started saying that and so mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out a tactic so their kid won't continue to say it oh yeah and so i was like yeah no no they're they're definitely sponges it just seems so wild yeah. in this direction you know, oh, yeah. it's not subtle at all whatsoever. It's very it, on it, the nose. It, it's very on the nose. It's very like, this is happening, like to a T. It's also not the only memory that they recount. There are so many other memories that they recount from the, the previous life that this almost starts to get hard to, I mean, again, in opening your mind a little bit, it gets hard to kind of dismiss. Hey, everybody. Trevor here, as always, with some housekeeping notes about Red Web. I'll keep it brief. If you want to support the show, store.roosterteeth.com. We always got some Red Web merch up there available for you. We've got some uh, some hoodies, some t-shirts, some coffee mugs, all those good things. And very, very soon, coming on the 9th of June, we have a backpack, uh, a very modern, kind of sleek-looking, very aesthetically pleasing backpack, as well, drumroll please, baby hands. We got the baby hands plush coming out, so support the show by getting some of those things And yeah, thanks a lot. Also, another thing we uh, talk on and off about is uh, supporting the show in a way that only takes your time, which is reviewing the show. You can review the show on Spotify now or on Apple, iTunes, everything like that. So yeah, if you take that time, give us a five-star review. It helps us out. Really appreciate it. And we love to hear from you all. With that said, let's talk about some of today's fantastic sponsors. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-proportioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That is why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh now has 30 dinner recipes to choose from every single week. You can keep that rotation going, get that variety in your stomach, and that's the most choices out of any meal kit. 
Discover seasonal summer recipes like cucumber salad stuffed pita pockets, okay? There's also chicken sausage stuffed with peppers, and you got Tuscan spiced shrimp, and so much more. I really enjoy HelloFresh because, like they say, it comes right to your door. I hate going to the grocery store, but I love food coming right to me with picture-perfect instructions to make me feel like a cuisinière. It's also always tasty. I'm a bit of a particular eater, but every time, every recipe that comes through my door, it's always amazing. So if you're looking for something to try, I really do encourage it. Go to HelloFresh.com slash RedWeb16 and use code RedWeb16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Once again, that's 16 free meals and three free gifts by going to HelloFresh.com slash RedWeb16 with code RedWeb16. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. This episode of RedWeb is also sponsored by BetterHelp. Life can be overwhelming and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped, sometimes detachment, fatigue, and many, many other symptoms. We associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. Any of the many roles in our life can lead us to feel burned out. BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress to your life. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to worry about putting on the makeup, doing your hair. You can look grody like I do and uh, just stay behind the webcam and not let them know what you look like. You know, if you're bashful like that. Uh, But you also don't have to go out in person. In fact, it's much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you could be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Task Force members, if you so choose, you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash redweb. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash redweb. Redweb is also sponsored by Upstart. Saying goodbye to high-interest credit card debt is one of the first steps towards financial independence, but the interest month after month can feel like you're in a never-ending hamster wheel. That is where Upstart can help. Upstart-powered personal loans can help you pay down high-interest debt all online with a simple and easy-to-understand payment terms. Upstart has helped over 1.8 million customers on their path to financial freedom, whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or simply funding personal expenses, Upstart can help you get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. Don't wait and check your rate today at upstart.com slash redweb. That's upstart.com slash redweb to check your rate today. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know, hey, redweb, we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on a few things such as your credit, your income, and other certain information that you will provide during your loan application process. Again, go to upstart.com slash redweb. And as always, finances are very important, so be mindful and conduct your own research. With that said, Let's jump right back into this mystery. All right, well, let's come back to some of the other vivid memories that they would account. So so Jillian would allegedly point to the birthmark that she had, uh, or excuse me, that Jennifer had. She would point to Jennifer's head and recount the details of the fall that resulted in Jacqueline's scar. And so as a defense, the parents actually say, they claim in response to the public kind of backlash that they never went into detail about the deceased sisters with the twins and they never shared any of these stories or events that they had spoken about. So the fact that they knew how one of them fell in a previous life to garner that scar that became a birthmark, the fact that they knew about the, the, the car incident. And there's a couple other things that I'm going to outline, but it all stands out. It's very odd. So John and Florence at some point in their lives took their family back to Hexham to visit. And the girls immediately started talking about the park where they liked to swing. And even though they had never been there before, remember, they moved away from this area when they were just but a few months old. The twins also recognized the school that Joanna and Jacqueline had attended at the time of their death. And when they arrived at the old house that they lived in, again, for a few months, they recognized every corner of their own house and even knew the names of some of the neighbors. Their parents claimed that they acted and spoke in ways that were very reminiscent of Joanna and Jacqueline. The parents also started to notice that the girls had very odd reactions to cars. So when walking around, sometimes they would cling on to their mother when a car would drive by. There was a story where a car engine started up and was quite loud and that caused them to flinch and scream and kind of cower a little bit out of the fear, not only of the noise, but of the car itself. 
saying that the cars were coming to get them. They were also having recurring nightmares about cars hitting them. So again, a lot of details coming out, not only in visiting their old neighborhood, but also just in general. In fact, once the girls turned five, their memories started to fade. The past lives kind of started to fade out of their minds and they lost the memories of the accident entirely, but they were still able to recount events that they were never a part of. For example, in 1981, Jillian had a vision of herself playing in a sandbox at a home in Wickham, which is yet a third town that we haven't discussed yet. Mind you, she had never been to Wickham, but the family had in fact lived there when Joanna was a toddler. The fact that she knew about this house, knew about the sandbox, and knew about some of the details in this area are almost impossible to place unless somebody fed her this information. She was able to accurately describe that house, the garden of that home that Joanna once lived in with her parents at the age of four. So that's a very light touch of the more common stories that are shared. Of course, there are some more nuanced details that continue to build out this story. In fact, I do want to say before we go into the investigation, many people online, many articles refer to Jillian and Jennifer's situation, but they mostly focus on Jennifer being the one that seemed to experience most of the reincarnative evidence, the memory, the stories, the toys, etc., and that Jillian kind of went along with it. So it seemed that the reincarnation situation was imbalanced, as it were, that Jillian perhaps wasn't a reincarnation, but being a twin with Jennifer kind of got looped in with it. I did read about that. That is, um, that's interesting in the sense because that plays more towards just the things that were, you know, we kind of know about twins, right? Mm -hmm. How like they, in a sense, I kind of dull it down is they're on the same wavelength more often than like normal siblings, mm -hmm. um, which is such an, that just a, that's such an interesting study all in itself. Um, but it was a very like interesting thing that you said was like the memory started to fade. Yes. And that is, and like, Correct me with the info here, but was that because like she was starting to reach the age of what would be the previous life? Ooh, that's very interesting. Right? There really isn't an explanation, but I do notice in a lot of reincarnation-based stories. Uh, in fact, I feel like we could do a whole episode just recounting tales like this. Some don't have as much detail as this one. Right. But for example, there was one of a boy who was born and he was able to recognize pilots from the military decades prior uh, that he would explain a story about how he crashed, et cetera, et cetera. And then mm -hmm. his memories also faded as he grew older. Yeah. So on one hand, that can draw into question the authenticity. Does that mean that they're just being very creative uh, sponges that are now kind of reflecting information that they once heard? Or is there something there that reincarnation does have some truth to it? But different people lose those memories at different times. Yeah. Some, some right at birth, some yep. a year later, some 10 years later. Exactly. It's very interesting to me. I, I love thinking about that. Right. Yeah. Maybe it's a gradual progression, right? That scale kind of ebbs and flows back and forth where it could be instant. Or you do have these memories, but you're too young to really like like display that mm -hmm. and, and, and portray like the things you want to say and speak on. And maybe like these were just kids that were able to do so because they're on the other side of that spectrum where it didn't fade as quickly. Yeah. But yeah, I like the fact of like, in my mind, possibly they're getting closer to the age of the, you know, previous life. So Jennifer was getting closer to the age of Jacqueline. That's such an interesting and that, point. And that's how it started to fade. Yeah. That's, because you that's can, really you're only going to have memories up to a certain point, course, right? Yeah. Because after that, it's like, okay, well, the life ended. And right. so, like, there's no other memories to have. It's a blank slate. Yeah. But to, to, to be fair, though, it also seemed that what little was there, even if it was right. six years of memories or 11 years of memories, even those memories were starting to fade mm -hmm. from the twins, Jillian and Jennifer. So it's, cool it's interesting. It's a very cool yeah. thought. But you're right. And it's maybe it is a more rare situation that we see cases like this because regardless of what happens. Again, that's the big question mark of life, but perhaps we lose those memories before we can ever evoke them. Yeah. Vocally, with coordinate muscle coordination, you know, we can barely lift our little heads up, you know? Right. But, it's just, it's in our memory bank, but uh, there's, there's no way to access it. That's wild. Access it. 
Wow. Okay. Sorry. You got me thinking. I love that thought. <laughs> I know. That's so like, interesting. This is such a good, like this episode is just a good catalyst to start spitting off yeah. on just like random thoughts and theories that I'm sure a ton of the task force yeah, yeah, members yeah. like have thought about in some point in their life. Mm -hmm. And so it's pretty cool. Yeah. This is, this is exactly why I wanted to start this podcast. Not only do I love true crime and I love conspiracy theories and internet mysteries and all that sort of stuff. And that's what we talk about, but I love also these really cerebral ideas that, that you can just, there aren't answers. And so you want to fill in the gaps. So you want to have these discussions. And so that's another thing that discussing unsolved mysteries does is right. it allows you to fill in those gaps, but think and just kind of question things and poke around. And this one being a little bit more kind of ethereal yeah, just means that there's more to, to kind of ask around and poke around about. But let's talk about a very brief investigation that went down. You talked about getting a priest in there. And they went in a similar direction, but they grabbed, they didn't grab him off the street. They, they hired. <laughs> hey, you. A, <laughs> come over here. A paranormal psychologist, Dr. Ian Stevenson of the University of Virginia. He studied, okay, the Pollock sisters. So, okay, I said that they hired him. Christian, I don't believe that that's, is that, I don't think that's the case. I think, in fact, that this guy just studied the, the situation. I might have misspoke. Let me check. Yeah. Either way, he did study the Pollock twins. I don't believe that he might have been hired, but Christian's on that. So anyway, he studied the sisters from 1964 to 1985. So quite a good amount of time. He met with the girls when they were about four years old to look at their birthmarks and interview them and their parents to see if he could uh, kind of pull any more of these stories out. He studied their behavior and he realized that they had taken on the personalities of the deceased sisters. So Jennifer was codependent upon her sister, Jillian, in the same way that Jacqueline was kind of codependent on Joanna. So that's very interesting. That was a piece that didn't really come out in the previous section, but he met with the family once more, or twice more, I should say, in 1967 and 1978. He had blood tests arranged to determine their zygosity, which showed that they were monozygotic, the zygote of the embryo, uh, oh, okay. meaning that they were identical twins, not fraternal twins. It was a shared egg, mm -hmm. fertilized, split, Two entities, two people came out of that. Versus, as you had mentioned, your in your family was a fraternal situation, non-identical, two separate eggs, two separate mm -hmm. people. It sounds like the the doctor approached them after reading about the story in the newspaper. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So he hired the family. <laughs> um, cool. Thank you for the for the clarification. So he had identified that they were identical twins, and with his findings from the behavioral studies, the birthmarks, all of the various memory recounts. Stevenson concluded that the twins were indeed the sisters reincarnated. Stevenson heavily studied children when researching reincarnation cases because he, kind of as we were noodling on, he believes that they are the most honest, the most open, and the less likely to fabricate their stories so that they would be a more true to the nature of reincarnation kind of case studies. True, as opposed to an adult that's like, I am reincarnated reincarnated it's like right. cool you can have all these different motives exactly kids are much more pure and more willing to just speak out loud of what oh, yeah. their thoughts are <laughs> they just say things man they just say them so that leads us to the theories that i want to talk about the theories of this one are very simple we kind of talked about them on the way through and so these are mostly going to be discussions between you and i and our opinions but let's talk about the first theory the theory that the parents may have planted these memories in Jillian and Jennifer. Now, of course, as the parents had lost their two children, it's very likely that they spoke about Joanna and Jacqueline in passing, whether to each other, to their daughters, although they did say that they didn't speak to their daughters about their, their previous sisters. Uh, it could have been that they discussed this with the brothers or other family members. You know, kids just, they are very aware. They listen, they sponge up. I like to think this and say this all the time. I think we take for granted uh, the innocence of children. I think that they are much more with it and much more smart, more yeah. smart, smarter than we give them credit <laughs> for. Smarter than me, perhaps. So it's entirely possible that they overheard some conversation. They could have talked about Jacqueline's accident at some point, the girl's favorite toys, or the park and the swings. They could have looked through photo books to garner some memories. And in the recounting of these stories between themselves, maybe they just didn't realize that their daughters were listening. Maybe they didn't realize the implication uh, or the significance of mentoring, mentioning right. these stories. I mean, I see that. I mean, it's something that's so traumatic where you could get to a point where I just, you know, hey, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I don't want to hear it. Or I don't want to mention it, et cetera. But it's so big where 
how could you not you know mm -hmm. at sometimes i'm sure you're bursting at the seams to just like let it all out these emotions and talk about it and then also on the flip side like occasional thought in my house i'm just like okay if i close this door and i had like a discussion with the missus no the audio would bleed out like mm. kids would still be able to hear like you really have to like go out of your way to have a, a conversation that you don't want your kids to hear yeah yeah, yeah. i mean also i'm sure they're just gravitating to you they're like right i'm three and i'm aimless yeah. Where's where's the the person I've known for my whole life? <laughs> my whole existence. I'm just yeah. gonna waddle over to them. Uh, another thing comes in with British historian Ian Wilson, and I do want to kind of, as much as my mind wants to be open to these thoughts, this is something to deeply consider. So when he noted, you know, that Stevenson's evidence was relatively weak, in fact, quite weak, as the only witnesses to the girl's behavior were their parents one of whom was a firm believer in reincarnation and cannot be considered as unbiased. I, I don't know about Dr. Ian Stevenson's inclinations as a paranormal psychologist if he believes in reincarnation, but uh, one could maybe wager that that this um, was an unbiased investigation in a sense, at least from the father's perspective, for sure. And also, just to button up this theory, while not confirmed, People have also theorized that perhaps the girl's four older brothers may have also been responsible for their recollections of events by telling them stories of the past or speaking of them in passing, maybe feeding them. You've, you've been a little boy. We've all been little boys in this room, at least, Christian, you, me, and Alfredo. We're little troublemakers. We'll, we'll yeah. say things to stoke the the fire and the, the fire flames. just get things going and just like you know we're little uh, drama addicts yeah i mean I, I was a little menace when i was younger you know just kind of just saying whatever or you know saying mean things to my siblings just because i was a little brat yeah or i was in a bratty mood well let me ask you this then your mom grandma grandma diaz comes down and she says uh, well she's like hey listen we got a situation here please just don't, I know you remember this. I know you know this stuff. Don't speak of X, Y, and Z to your little sisters, okay? Just don't do that. Oh, my God. Grandma walks off. You're left. You're 10 years old. What do you do now? I'm like a, oh man, I'm like a soda bottle bursting at the you seams. You shook me up. I'm ready to Right. Burst. You shook me up. Here's the thing. <laughs> Why you shake me up? Right. Why you shake me up? It's the same thing with like. Don't tell me not to do it. It's the same thing with like spoilers for shows and stuff. Uh-huh. Where people. Well, like, or like uh, uh, Jackie and I, like, we stream, and then Jackie would be like, you know, Survivor's out tonight. No one tell me about spoilers. I'm like, now someone's going to talk about spoilers. Right. Now no I, one I'm primed to talk about Survivor. Exactly. Good episode, no one, by the way. Is it? Ooh, I watched yeah. half of it. Juicy. Oh, it's always oh, juicy. <laughs> oh, we're, we're, we're big. Is there even a name for Survivor fans? Just Survivor fans, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Survivors? <laughs> I was like, I don't know if they have like a name, like, you know, like Bachelor Nation or anything like that. Anyways, we're exposing <laughs> ourselves and our and our love for That's uh, another podcast. That's another podcast. Our love for this stuff. <laughs> but like, yeah, you shook me up. Like I'm at some point going to slip up. Especially oh, yeah. like the the younger I am, the higher that percentage goes yeah. up for me to just slip up and start opening my big mouth. I just see the smirk forming on a young, uh, you know, boy's face. Just a little smirk right. and just going, what would happen though? You know, exactly. don't eat that marshmallow. I'll be right back. Yeah, but what would happen though? Right. I wasn't thinking, I wasn't hungry. Now I'm kind of, now I'm, I'm a little thinking hungry. about it, right? Like, I'm a little, hey, it could be fun to climb up <laughs> on the counter, a little venture, right? Maybe. <laughs> I want to do an extreme version of this where I go, all right, don't climb up that ladder. Get up on the roof and do a little baby elbow drop down into the pool on your siblings. <laughs> and then see. Oh, my God. See, I mean, okay, I wouldn't actually do that. Right, 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 right. We're talking but, hypotheticals here. Yeah. But Or even if <laughs> not kids jumping off roofs on, or, into the or, pool. Or even Incredibly if, dangerous. Or even if we just. <laughs> earmuffs, kids, earmuffs. Or even if we just had, like, proper safety. Me. And we just, you know, you did a uh, some kind of, like. Harvard experiment or proper yeah. safety precautions were, were taken. And it's right. like, what percentage of those kids would go, oh, I'm going to do it. Right, right. If ethics didn't matter in the world, what would happen? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I speak from my experience because that's the kind of stuff I would do. My cousin would come through. He'd tell me some spooky story. I'd believe it. It'd get me all feared up. But then he would be like, 
oh, but no, seriously, like, don't climb that tree. I know, I know this creek is big. We'll have to figure out a way over there. Because we like to play in the woods near my house. And I'd be like, mm -hmm. and he's like, there's a tree leaning over it, but we shouldn't climb it. I'm like, I'm going to climb it. So I climbed it. I climbed it. The branch broke. I fell stomach first into the water, which was shallow. <sighs> and then he goes fishing around where I landed. There was a, uh, a saw blade underneath oh. where I laid. So that's the kind of stuff I got up into. Uh, you tell me not to do it. I just, I just did it. So like, that's where my example of jumping in the pool from the roof. Ooh, I might have done hell, that. I'm not. I wouldn't tell goodness. my parents. They're definitely listening. Earmuffs, earmuffs, parents. We'll cut it out. We'll cut it out. That one time I beep and then got onto the beep. And then I got an A plus on my test. Anyway, no, but that's where I'm coming from. Like you know. Kids are impressionable. You tell them yeah. not to do something, it's going to happen. So that's, you know, it's totally possible that little bros here, or I guess in this case, older bros might have, uh, it's a, it's, have said stuff. look, it's a solid theory. Mm -hmm. And I, I get why you withheld the old, like the older brothers a bit there. Cause I was like, yeah. Otherwise my mind would be like, oh no, it's just siblings messing with siblings. Mm -hmm. Um, or you know, the typical, like it's the parents, right? Mm -hmm. They're forcing their kids to, to say these things and do these things. But that's where my mind is probably gonna settle, is the fact that like they're just talking about it. The most, it's the most probable. Yeah. Um. It, you know, all things considered, you know, we talk about that tangible evidence, right? That seems to be, you know, as like a skeptic that's looking for yeah. that like ledge to grapple onto. Mm -hmm. That's my ledge. Yeah. And then the second theory is uh, much more of a belief kind of angle, in that. But it does have some nuance of it. Uh, it says Jennifer was a reincarnation of Jacqueline, but Jillian was not of a uh, reincarnation, I should say, of Joanna. So while Jennifer's birthmark directly linked her with the events of Jacqueline's life, there wasn't really much to support Jillian and Joanna's relationship together. In fact, you know, when they when they shared toys, um, the, the reason why they might have bifurcated those toys in an easy manner could just be that they're kind little kids or that Jennifer just right. gravitated to her toys. Yep. And Jennifer then, went, picked up her stuff, right. and then that left Jillian with what was supposed to be Joanna's stuff. Right, exactly. Uh. Jennifer may have, in fact, passed along memories of her past life as Jacqueline over to Jillian by telling her stories of how they played together. In fact, coming back to that game that they would play, where one would lay down in the other person's lap and they would talk about some pretty <laughs> sinister stuff. Right. Um, that could have been a kind of leader and follower situation where, where Jennifer led that game, as it were, and that Jillian being the child sponge that she would have maybe just kind of picked that up and reflected it back out into the world. So there's a lot of other nuances here, a lot of other um, kind of anecdotal pieces of evidence that if you're interested, I would encourage you to kind of read up some articles about it. Um, right. But, In fact, I know, do have an article here, and I kind of want to just vamp as we scrub through. Because I do believe, this is off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. I don't, so this part may not be fact, but I do want to say, like, the reason why the grandmother was brought up as the person being, like, raising them, maybe I'm mixing up a different reincarnation story, was that eventually the grandmother passed away and that the kids maintained memories of the grandmother that they wouldn't have had. Oh. Because the twins, in this, for example, in this case, wouldn't have met her. But uh, Joanna and Jacqueline would have been raised by her, essentially. Again, that might be a different case because now I'm in the spitball territory. But um, I do remember that being part of some someone's reincarnation stories. Right. It is this story. So it is the, this story. Cool. I'm glad I mentioned it then. Yeah. Aww. So so Joanna and Jacqueline, like you said, they were raised mostly by their grandmother because their parents were busy with work. There's a story that Jennifer and Jillian they looked most to uh, their grandmother for like love and guidance, even mm -hmm. though at this point in time, their mother was no longer consumed with work. So she was present at, at like ready to, to yeah. raise them, but they still gravitated toward their grandmother. Got so it. The, the idea is that because their reincarnate or their, their past selves were uh, raised by the grandmother, now they're gravitating as well. Makes sense. And the last kind of thing I want to spitball that comes to mind that supports what we're talking about with Jennifer being reincarnated, but Jillian maybe not so much, was uh, something as nuanced as holding a pen or a pencil. So when Joanna and Jacqueline were going through life, Jacqueline tended to hold the pencil in an upright fist-like manner. I'm emulating that to Fredo now. And Joanna was, I, I'm not sure if we have information on that, but it doesn't super matter. Um, now, 
That was something that Jacqueline had kind of an issue with as she grew up. She kind of maintained that bad penmanship, that posture, I should say. And then, uh, you know, they passed away. Jennifer and Jillian come along. And when they started writing, Jillian went straight to holding the pencil properly uh, as, or at least like most kids would. But Jennifer being supposedly Jacqueline's reincarnation instantly gravitated to holding the pencil in an upright fist position and kind of had a similar struggle with that. So that was another kind of piece of evidence that was used to support the idea that maybe Jennifer was reincarnated, but Jillian, uh, Jillian wasn't. So, yeah. Question for both of you. Do you see this as a blessing or a curse, this happened to you? Ooh, that's difficult. I feel like it would depend on what you're reincarnated as. No, no, no. If if so, you, you were the parents in the situation. Oh, oh, so yeah. this oh, specific oh, oh. example, in this yes, specific yeah, yeah. situation. You were the hmm. you're the you're the parent. I would say to be really annoying and difficult. I would say it's hard to know without knowing what your six and eleven year old daughters would have passed on to. Without knowing mm. that, if that's better or worse than being reincarnated, getting a second chance at life, and the miracle that is life, and being right. self aware, could be a blessing or it could just be neutral. I don't know. I would say it would be very interesting. I'm not sure if I would see it as a blessing or a curse personally. Oh, how do you how do you feel, Christian? I feel like it, if I were in their shoes, to me, I feel like it would be more like a curse, especially from the mother's perspective who did not believe in reincarnation and, you know, has had years to grieve and mourn the loss of her daughters, but now they are people to go back. Yeah, so now you're back into to, it. Exactly. You're having to relive that's All a very that good point. The conflict of, yeah. of reacting and experiencing that again yeah. and having it be right in front of your face is like a permanent memory of that when exactly. you might have wanted to otherwise move on. But then you got the father's perspective, right? Who Who is probably seeing this as a huge uh, blessing and to, to see his daughters once again. Yeah. Um, the dynamic there between the parents alone could be traumatic, right? Very, In yeah. the sense of the mom... Could have been just like, oh my goodness, I'm reliving this all over again. I, I'm, I'm starting to go through the steps of grieving, getting through it. And the father's just like, it's them. It's really them. Like, they're back. Like, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like someone somewhere in that quadrangle uh, yeah. of relationships needs healing, you know? Yeah. And I, Or time. Or at least, you know, to silently accept their perspective of it you know and respect right. the other's perspective of it because otherwise you're right it could lead to some some other otherwise like some scrambling uh some mix-up as far as the kids are concerned but In interesting trevor yeah. tinkered with the question as i thought he would yeah, and then yeah. for me i went with like yeah, i'd see it as a curse and then you you saw it as a curse but from a different perspective mm -hmm. yeah yeah well, uh, Jillian and Jennifer are still alive and well to this day. We, I'm, I'm sure we will use a photo of them both in their youth, but also as adults. Wait, really? Yeah. They, this was only in the 60s, not too often. Oh, long yeah, ago. true. Yeah. Man, that's, um, that's just cool to know. Yeah. <laughs> just one of those things like, oh, yeah, this person that we're talking about is alive. Yeah. Not that they would listen to Red Web, but like, you know, <laughs> there's just, there's a chance. Look, just, you know, I'm like, hey. Yeah, I know. They're talking about me. Yeah. That's just a cool thought. And perhaps they don't remember anything. Perhaps it is to them just a distant memory and a story. But, right, be, but the, I'd be very curious. The perspective of yeah. like, hey, this is just what yeah. people say about you. And like growing up, I'm sure your parents said stuff, your like, brothers you said stuff. Like, yeah, what do you yeah. remember? What like was it like kind of being portrayed in that way? Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. It's all interesting stuff. Might be some, Pretty cool. you know, unique pressures too of, uh, you know, being a living embodiment of the idea of reincarnation right. when there aren't many. Like imagine you know? growing up and like you're essentially like your dad is just like, yeah, you are a reincarnation of your brother mm -hmm. that passed away. And then just being seen through that lens what for what could be your entire life. Whew. I feel like that really starts to, to grapple with the idea like the, the issue of identity. It's like, am I, yeah. am yeah. I me? Oh, yeah. Or am I this other person that I don't really yep. remember being? Yeah, that's wild. The layers, man. Well, with that said, you know, as always, there's not a whole lot of visuals to this one, but I did mention those photos. And so if you want to see those photos, we do have Red Web Pod and on Twitter. We also have the same handle on YouTube. And uh, feel free to follow us on TikTok. It is at The Red Web, where we uncover... 
uh, smaller mysteries that wouldn't make a whole episode. Recently, I've been dissecting the Mayday mystery puzzle from this year. There's 12 pages of that beast, and so I kind of quickly go through some of that. But I think what I'll do is also kind of do some bite-sized reincarnation stories over there as well. So if this tickles your fancy, if you have any thoughts of your own, would love to see you all in the comments. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, that is that is it for Red Web today. Fredo, I'll see you right back here next Monday for another mystery. Later, Task Force.